0: Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is very good to see you all. Uh, it sounds like you're having some lovely conversation, but if you could draw that to a close, that'd be lovely. Uh, yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, we are only two weeks and one day away from Lindsay, myself, and Annabelle driving up the M6. Full of excitement, anticipation for what God's going to do, but also with loads of sadness, if we're honest. Um, this is going to be the hardest bit of the sermon for me. Um, we, are, we, we prayed that God would give us uh, some values that we shared in the church that we found and that it would be a church that uh, would be able to train us up in church planting because we believed that God was calling us to go and start a new church at some point in our lives. And honestly, we haven't just found those values here, but we've also found a family, something we probably didn't expect before we arrived, um, and so we really feel like we're, we're losing, um, not losing, we're moving away from family, so we'll be back to visit, um, but it is, it's going to be terribly exciting for us, but also really sad. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, what um, I'm going to do this Sunday, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday on the 29th, the day before we go, uh, I'm going to be preaching on three pursuits that we have laid out Um, for us as a church in Glasgow Grace. Uh, We're going to take two out of the three. You might have done the mass already. Um, So today we're going to look at the pursuit of love. And then on the 29th, we'll look at the pursuit of truth. And the reason I want to share those with you is not just because it's a good warm-up for going to Glasgow, but because I think these things are so important and I am hugely passionate about sharing these things with you before we go. Um, If I was to say that there are two things that I would want to talk about, Uh, to you before I left. It would be these two things. So this morning, we're going to go to 1 John, and we're going to ask, how do we pursue love? So it sounds very trendy, doesn't it? say, the pursuit of love. But how do you actually do it? How how do you work that out? So this morning, we're going to look at that. Before we do, the very talented Tom Peratt uh, came with me to Glasgow a couple of months ago, and he helped me put together a few videos. And uh, so we've got a vision video and then we've got three other videos that explain our pursuit. So I'm going to uh, hand over to his editing skills here on this video about love. This is St Francis Church and it's claimed that in the late 19th century a Frenchman sent a gift here in a box And it was labelled Corpus Valentini Martris, St. Valentine's Bones. And so every Valentine's Day, you have people who come here and they pray that God would give them the one. Now, when we talk about love these days, that's often what we mean. Two people who tick each other's many boxes. The kind of love we are pursuing doesn't begin by mutual appreciation. It begins with a one-sided love. A love that is so shockingly worked out with God himself hanging on the cross. The God of the universe loves us. No pretense required. Jesus has ticked our every box. When you experience what it's like to be loved by God, you find yourself wanting to love like God. At Glasgow Grace, we want to love the church. We want to love the city and we want to love the nations just like God does. We love the church. Jesus said that the way people will know him is by our love for one another. If we want to see this great city impacted by Jesus, we need to love one another well, especially in the most uncomfortable moments. We love this city. Jesus wept over Jerusalem and we weep over Glasgow especially when we see injustices and that 98% of people still don't know God's radical love for them. We love the nations. God is passionate about Glasgow, but he's never been just about one people group or one nation. We are called to make disciples of all nations. Lord, without love, we're just noise. Help us to love like you. Okay, let's pray, shall we? Father God, thank you that you have pursued us with love. Thank you, God, that love is found in you, that, God, you are love. Yeah. And so this morning we come to you and we ask, we plead, would you show us how do we do this? What does it look like for us to pursue love? Lord God, come, reveal yourself to us afresh Would people who have never Experience your love before, experience it for the first time this morning, we pray. And those who have experienced your love before, but maybe it is fading, God, did you remind them of how much you love them? Would you come, Lord, and love us and reveal that love that is there, that is true, that we know is true, reveal it to us afresh this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, why don't you turn with me in uh, the Bibles in front of you to 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. That's page 1227 in those Bibles. So we're starting in verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect uh, perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Pursuing love is a little like a paddling pool in the summer. Now, that might need a little bit of explanation. Uh, If you are a parent, you have probably pulled out your paddling pool this year and used it quite a lot, or you've gone out and you've bought a paddling pool. Maybe you've even had had to replace a couple because you've used them so much. Now, you also might have noticed if you own grass that your grass is not green anymore. Am I right? Your grass is brown. But those of us with paddling pools do have a little bit of green grass, just around where the paddling pool has been. The paddling pools in Dorset are single-handedly keeping our grass alive, I think. And in many ways, we are called to be like paddling pools. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that if we are to pursue love, we must begin by pursuing God because God is love and we need to jump right into that love. And when we do, we'll cause a splash and then we'll start to see life grow around us as we start to love others like God has loved us. Love does not begin with a decision that we make or something that we do, it begins with God. It begins with him. That is where love was, that's where it began. That's where its source is. And often we get it the wrong way around, don't we? We think, ah, okay, we need to pursue love, so we're going to start something new. We're going to start a new ministry. Um, I'm going to work really hard at doing this or doing that, and, and I just need to motivate myself more to be more loving to the people around me. That's kind of generally where we start when we think about pursuing love, but the Bible speaks about it in the other way around. The Bible says that we first were loved by God, John's already said that. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I used to be part uh, of an initiative uh, back in Glasgow called The Studio. Now, The Studio was this uh, after-school club that was set up for young kids who were on the waiting list for extra help at school. Uh, but couldn't get on to the after-school clubs at school. And so we basically picked up the waiting list, and they would come to us And between the church and the YMCA. uh, We worked together to give them new skills, uh, to work through homework with them, um, and we'd also teach them a little bit about healthy diet and things like that. It was a great initiative. It was great because we got to know not just the kids, but we also got to know the families and get alongside them and help them get to the source of some of the difficulties that they had as parents. And one of the people who would help out faithfully every single week was a girl called Louise. Louise was part of the YMCA. Um, At the time, she was about 18 or 19. And uh, she was great. But whenever I spoke to her about God, she could not get past, yes, I believe in God, but he can't really love me, does he? I don't get this love thing. She just could not get it. And the reason she could not get it was because people throughout her life had let her down. It's an all too familiar story. Her dad was in and out of her life um, was not really around the memories she does have of him or of him at coming and bringing gifts to make and, and kind of expecting that things would be all fine because he's brought this gift and abuse. That's her memories of him. And so when it comes to other relationships, she's always struggled to trust people. And one of the things she really struggled to do was to, to trust that God loved her because she was viewing God's love like she's been trained to view anyone's kind of love. She's viewed it in the way that she's been treated, as if it's her fault, as if she could never be good enough, as if she needed to do more or do something less. She just didn't have a category for the kind of love that God has for her. And so uh, Samantha, who leads the YMCA in in that part of town, uh, convinced her one day that she should go on a year-long discipleship course. Residential thing. So she went off for the year, and slowly but surely, God started to win her trust. And one day, she just got it. She just got it. It was as if before, she had been kind of going up to the pool and sort of dipping her toe in and and going, oh, that's a bit cold, and just kind of stepping back. And then that day where she got it, she, she stopped dipping her toe in, and she just jumped right in. She drenched herself in the love of God and it was wider and it was deeper than she could ever imagine. She returned with a swagger, a belief, a confidence. She used to have these tics, these little habits that you could see because she was so nervous talking to different people. She didn't have those anymore. And bit by bit, you saw her grow and grow and grow. Now she posts things like this on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to the only one worthy of the title. Thankful and totally blessed to have a relationship with my one true father. Thankful for who he is and all he does for me and through me. Father God, good, good father. Blessed, a father to the fatherless. God, girl, daughter of the Most High King. If we want to to pursue love, we've got to realize something. God is not inviting us to just dip our toes in the water. He's inviting us to jump right in. He's inviting us to do a running cannonball. He's inviting us to jump in to the wide and deep love that he has always had for us. Even before we did anything, God was love and he loved us. We have not had to prove our love to him. He's always loved us. He's loved us before anything was even created. That's how far back his love stretches for you. Have you assumed that God's love is like the love that you've experienced from others in your life? Parents who haven't always been very parental. Friends who have betrayed you, boyfriends, husbands, girlfriends, wives, who have promised the world to you And then maybe they've walked away or they've disappointed you. Don't put that on God. He is love. He is love. He's not like that. He does not love you in the way that others have loved you. Even if you have had the greatest parents, the greatest friends, the greatest partners in life. Let me tell you something. That love is nothing like the love of God for you. And this is not a love that is just theoretical. This is a love that is real, that is practical, and has been worked out in the life of Jesus. A love based on his faithfulness to all his promises that find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is God, became our substitute, so that we no longer are shamed, that we no longer are valued by what we have done and the stains that have been stained against us, but we are valued by his love for us. And in fact, we're valued by his righteousness. He became our substitute. He went to the cross where we deserve to go. And there, he died in our place so that we might know God, so that we might become sons and daughters, so that we might know him forever. In John's gospel, after Jesus dies, he records something that might seem quite inconsequential or random as we first read it. And it's of these two soldiers And they are pulling straws because they want to take home the garments of Jesus. So Jesus is hanging there, dead, blood pouring out, blood all over the ground, and they want his garments. And so they draw straws. And one of them would have taken those garments away wash them up, and put them on. And there's two things that have happened there. One, a prophecy is fulfilled from the Old Testament. But the second thing is that actually the soldiers are acting out what has actually happened for us. We are no longer naked and shamed. We are are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When he went to the cross, he took on our shame, and he died in our place. And then he gave us his righteousness. He clothed us with his perfection. And so now we are seen like Christ. Now we are seen as people clothed in Christ. John says this, through Jesus is the way that love will be made perfected among us. And so now we have our reason to be confident, to get rid of the ticks, We have our reason to find value, not on what we've done, but on what he has done for us. The love of God pursued us. We didn't pursue the love of God, it pursued us. And it's been perfectly worked out in the life, and the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Pursuing love begins by surrendering to God's loving pursuit of us. You might have noticed that Donald Donald Trump visited the UK this week, and um, whatever you think of that, um, there was a lot of money that was spent on his security—thirty million pounds—and in fact. They erected a, a ring of steel, they've been calling it in the press, uh, around at the ambassador's residence, the U.S. ambassador's residence. It's designed so that you can't get in, right? You couldn't turn up one morning while Donald Trump is staying here and say, oh, Donald, good to see you. I uh, don't mind if I sit down, join you for a coffee and maybe some eggs Roy- royale. Can we get some eggs royale? You couldn't do that. In chapter 2, verse 28, John has said this, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Now, this word confidence that he uses means to be bold enough to walk into a sovereign's room, to walk into a sovereign's throne room. Someone who rules, who reigns, you can walk in there freely anytime you like. So, yes, you won't be able to go and have breakfast with Donald Trump. Maybe some of you wouldn't want to do that anyway. But you can and you will be able to go in to the presence of God, into the throne room of God with confidence. We are friends of God because of what Jesus has done. But John is making a particular point here about the final judgment over all the earth. Now, this is something that we maybe don't think about very much, but it is in the Bible a lot, and we mustn't ignore it. One day, Jesus is going to return. He's going to return in glory and in might, and we should expect that day to come. And when it does, there will be a great reason for fear. If you do not have that confidence given to you by the righteousness of Christ, being clothed in his robes, being clothed in royal robes, then you will not be able to run into his presence. But if you have, if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you have received clothes of righteousness, if you have received sonship, if you have received this glorious message of grace, then you will be able to run into the presence of God. You'll be able to run towards him joyfully. When he returns, he's going to usher in this new creation where he's going to be enthroned forever. And you will be welcomed by him. He will recognize you. If you want to pursue the love of God, we must begin by running towards God's loving pursuit of us. Are you just dipping your toes in? Are you running towards it? Are you jumping in? There's love to be enjoyed from God. He says, jump in. And it's only really when we jump in that we start to make the splash that we are made to make around us. Then we will increasingly Bring life to people around us. Then we will increasingly find that we can love like God. We love because He first loved us. That's what John says. We are to make a splash with His love, not trying to generate it out of ourselves, but the love of God overflowing as He loves us. To be God's beloved the bride of Christ and imitators of him. That's what we're called to. That is the church. As Jesus prepared to be executed on a cross, he told his disciples that the way that people will know him is by our love, the church, by our love for one another. How will people hear about Jesus? The church. How will people See, Jesus demonstrated the church. The church is God's chosen method for revealing his love to the world. It's plan A. It's a family value that he is passing down to us, his children. And we are to live out this family value, this family value of mission. This mission that is to be wrapped up in love. His love, his love that is poured out on us, and as we overflow, is poured out on people around us. The love that John encourages us to have here is Christ like love. That's our definition for love, it's to be Christ like. He's comparing the way that Jesus has loved us to the way that we should love one another. Now, that is radical. How are you doing with that? How are you doing it, loving people in this church in the way that Jesus has loved you? In the way that he has sacrificed for you, are you willing to sacrifice for others? Do you look to display Jesus to your friends and your family by the way that you love your brothers and sisters in the church? Because that is one of the primary ways that your friends and your family will come to faith, is by seeing God's love demonstrated in the way that you love this church. Let me tell you, so I'm going to get away with this, I think, because I'm about to leave, okay? All right? Now, let me tell you about a couple of people here in this church who I have seen demonstrating this. Now, I'm not going to name names, but you're probably going to work it out, all right? There are three men in this church who spent hours. And hours and hours, not a month, but every week, giving themselves to helping us with how we work out our finances together as a church. Those three men give so much of their time. And why do they do that? They don't get paid for it. They do that because they love God and they love you. That's the truth. There's one lady who's a retired educationalist. She has been getting alongside others who haven't um, been able to find an easy route through school with her kids. And that has included, at times, being an advocate in meeting rooms. It's included writing long letters. It's included coaching. That's included spending hours of consoling those people. She is doing that because she loves God and because she loves those people. It's a couple at all the roads who spend hours every week sorting out chairs, coming and arranging different things and making sure everything's ready. They also lead a ministry that is a tough ministry to lead, and they do a great job doing it. They're also really involved in the kids' work. They're a wonderful couple. And why do they do it? Because they love God and because they love his church. And I could go on and on and on. These people inspire me. It is happening here. We are experiencing the love of God and it is overflowing and it is evident in the way that we love one another. But don't we want more? Don't we want to experience more of God's love, know more of who He is and how much He loves us, and then go and love one another well and then go to our neighbors and to our friends and demonstrate that love to them? I do. Now, it's important that we don't disconnect this from what John is actually uh, dealing with in the letter. So he's dealing with uh, some uh, teaching that has seeped into the church that is just downright wrong. And he's deeply concerned about it. He wants these believers to know that the message that they have taught, this message that is built upon the foundation of the death and the resurrection of Jesus is true. And what's seeping into the church is not true. And the reason he's doing that is because belief and practice are so tightly knitted together. What we believe defines what we do. What we truly believe in our hearts defines what we do. And so that is why he's talking about love. Because he can when when we love one another well, according to the way in which Jesus has sacrificed and loved us well, we then can put to bed some of these teachings that seep into the church. Now, there's more detail to it than that, but that that is at the heart of it, and that is the way in which we should be thinking as well, because we would be silly to think that this culture around us doesn't influence us. Of course, it influences us. We, in this culture, are trained to consume. We are trained to be consumers and to be concerned with our individual rights instead of pursuing Christ-like love, which is sacrificial and it is based on community, not individualism. And so we can be quick to think that the church is a franchise run by management in an office and situated in a particular building, all designed to meet my needs and the needs of its stakeholders. That is a wrong view of church. That's a messed up view of church. The church is described as a living organism vines and bodies and brides and families, each of us living inseparably from one another and from Jesus. Even the Bible's analogy of a building, God's temple, is personalized. It's made up of living bricks and it's held together by a cornerstone His name is Jesus. It's relational. Christianity is not a solitary pursuit. It's about joining a real-life family where God, our Father, leads us in love. And then we display God's love to one another and to Pool. Now, the overflow of our love for one another and our love for God should be that we are on mission and we are demonstrating life and love to the people of Pool. Now, that does not mean that we only do things like, oh, I love pool because I-, I love the key, and I love the fish and chips that you can get at the key, and I love badger beers. <laughs> I must love Dorset, and I love Hendrick's gin, and I-, and I love all these things about Dorset and pool. Now, that is valid. That is great. Praise God that you're supporting local things. Excellent, but what we really want to be doing is loving day-to-day people within the community. We want to find other people that we are rubbing shoulders with and love them well and whatever we're doing whatever that looks like if you wake up next to someone else if you're married and you wake up next to someone else start by loving them well and then if you're if you're uh, the first person you see in the morning is someone you buy a coffee from or someone you see in work well just start by loving them well as God loves you, look to find ways and pray for opportunities to love them like they love you. We need to look to schools and nurseries, gardens, healthcare, local economy, the environment, retirement homes, and all of the people associated with those things and love them. We've got to care deeply about the institutions and the, and the lives of those around us that are looking to better this society, better pool. And even those who aren't, we need to try and help them to join with us in bringing love to this area. Now, that is our calling. For Lindsay and I, that is our calling for two weeks and one more day. For you, it might be for the rest of your life. In the same way, that God cares deeply about us, we are called to care deeply about others. For you, that might look quite different to what we're about to do. We are about to go to Glasgow, move cities. That feels to us like what God wants us to do as we listen to him, as we listen to what he said through his people, as we look to the way in which he has called us. We think, yeah, it's, it's becoming obvious. That's what we need to go and do. We're sure of it. But you might be looking to do something quite different. But I urge you, keep listening to God. Keep listening to Him. Keep taking steps of faith. Keep looking to demonstrate His love as you take a plunge every day into His love for you. There's a temptation here for broad, sweeping application. And there's a temptation, actually, to over-specify our application, too. And so I'm not going to say this is what you should do because I don't know what that looks like for you. Uh, Oswald Chambers said this: He said, Never make a principle out of your experience, let God be as original with other people as He is with you. Our job is to explore God's love together. Love one another really well, even when it hurts even when it's deeply uncomfortable. (laughs) Sacrifice for one another like he has sacrificed for us. And then see that love overflow into our community as we seek to love one another, uh, love people out in that community in the same way. And it will look different for the single mom. It will look very different to what it will for the retired couple. It's gonna look different for all of us. And so can I encourage you this morning as I wrap up to really think about what it is that God is calling you to do day to day and how you can simply love the people around you. But first things first, jump into that pool. Be loved by God. His love is extraordinary, extravagant. It's deep, it's wide. Go and swim in it. Go and enjoy it. He loves you deeply. As the band come back up, here's two things that I think would be good for us to pray about. If you feel like you've just been dipping your toe in the water, I think you should come forward for prayer and ask why. (laughs) Because sometimes it's hard to work out. Sometimes it's hard to work out why I've just been dipping my toe in the water. I kind of feel like I do want to jump in, but I just don't know, I'm not sure if I know how. So why don't you come forward and, and, and get some prayer for that. And the other thing that I'd love us to be praying about is the how. How do I do this in my everyday life? What does it look like for me to do this in my everyday life? Come, receive prayer, or maybe even just grab someone near you who you trust, you know, and um, that you can pray with. Why don't we get on our feet, and let me pray for you. And we'll worship God together.